the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Sideline Sanity with me, Michelle Tafoya, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There has never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Go to LegacyPMInvestments.com. LegacyPMInvestments.com. Coming up, someone I've been trying to book on this show for months. We finally got this. He will be one of the most interesting voices you'll hear anywhere. His name is Zuby. If you haven't heard of him, now's your chance, and you'll be glad you listened. For nearly three decades, she's reported the action from the sidelines. She started very young. She's covered the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and the college football and basketball national championships. And now, during these insane times in our world, Michelle Tafoya thinks we need a serious dose of sanity. This is Sideline Sanity with your host, one of the sanest people on planet Earth, Michelle Tafoya. Well, as I said in the intro, welcome to Sideline Sanity. I've been looking forward to this conversation for months. I am a big fan of PragerU, and they do this series called Stories of Us. And I watched one about a guy named Zuby. And I said, how have I never heard of this guy before? And I was so impressed. I said, I've got to have this guy on my podcast because I'm sure there's still a handful of people out there who don't know him. They need to know this kid. And I call you kid respectfully. I hope you accept that, Zoo, because I'm, you know, probably old enough to be your mom. But welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Michelle. Happy to be here. You know, you have such an interesting background. You were born in England, but raised in Saudi Arabia, born to Nigerian parents. But you went to school at a U.S. school in Saudi Arabia. Is that Do I have that all right? Uh, yeah, I mean, technically an international school, okay. but majority of my teachers and a lot of my fellow students were American, but from all over the world. Uh, you you mentioned that people say, well, "Where's your accent? You you were born in England. What the heck happened? Are you raised in Saudi yeah. Arabia? Where's your is that the reason that you kind of just talk like an American?" I've never had an English accent. Never. Okay. So people often ask, "Oh, what what happened to your accent? Where did your English?" Act? I was like, "I've I've never had one." Um, so. <laughs> All my earliest memories are in Saudi Arabia. I moved there when I was a baby. I went to school there from preschool up until fifth grade. And then when I was 11 years old, I went to boarding school in the UK. So from the age of 11 up until 20, all through my secondary school years and then university, I was still living in Saudi Arabia, but I was studying in the UK. So I was back and forth between the two countries multiple times a year for that whole nine-year period of my life. So I was flying internationally by myself from the age of 11. Um, so I've always been, I've been traveling a lot from a young age. So this nomadic lifestyle that I live now is not too different from what I'm used to. It's uh, it's par for the course, as they say. It's interesting to me how this must have informed your whole uh, education, all the international travel, the, the variety of education, uh, clearly very, very well-educated 
And it's it's remarkable to me. What do you consider yourself now? Do you consider yourself an American, an Englishman? What what it, it, or does it matter to you? Yeah, I'm not an American. I'm British. I'm British. I'm also a Nigerian. Uh, you know, British and Nigerian. But in terms of where home is, home is a is a confusing one. When people ask me where I'm from, that's a little bit of a weird one because, of course, you know, I'm British and Nigerian by nationality, but. As we alluded to, I, I grew up in Saudi Arabia. Right now, I spend a lot of time in the U.S., but I don't explicitly live anywhere. <laughs> so I don't know what country or city I'm necessarily from in in that sense. But um, yeah, I think uh, a lot of people consider me an honor an honorary American, but um, I'm not actually an American. All right. Well, w- yeah, we would love to have you as an honorary American. <laughs> no question about that. It's interesting to me. You're you are a musician professionally, and yet your worldview is so broad. And what you admit made you go viral, as as things do these days, was a tweet of mm-hmm. you doing a deadlift. What inspired this tweet? Walk me through what happened there. Yeah, sure. So for several years, so that tweet was February 2019. But since around 2016 or 2017 in particular, I started to notice this whole issue going on with female sports where you are having biological males identifying as women and proceeding to beat women in their own sports. This was happening. I saw it happen in MMA with the Fallon Fox situation. Um, It happened in athletics, weightlifting, rugby, various sports. I started just seeing this happening. And then on the day that I tweeted that, I was on Twitter uh, and I'd seen two stories in the same day of two U.S. high schools, in fact. Um, a couple incidents in American high schools where males had beaten females in their sports. And I think, in fact, taken the records. And out of curiosity, I just thought, man, like, well, first of all, I think this this whole thing is absurd. It's stupid. Mm-hmm. And it's just wrong. Um, and I was just like, man, I, I mean, I'm... I'm a strong guy. I've been lifting. I've been lifting weights for a long time. Out of curiosity, I was like, oh, "Man, I wonder what the British women's deadlift record is." And I looked it up, and in my weight class, I think it was 200 and I want to say it was about 210 kilos, okay, um, which is a little bit under 500 pounds. And I was like, "Man, like my max is 275, which is over 600 pounds." So I just had a video on my phone of me doing a 230 kilo deadlift, like very easily. And I just tweeted it and I said something along the lines of, I keep hearing about how biological men have no strength advantage over women in 2019. So watch me destroy the British women's deadlift record without trying. P.S. I identified as a woman whilst lifting the weight. Don't be a bigot. So I just posted that. I had 18,000 followers at the time that I posted it. Um, As of today, I've got 855,000 on Twitter. (laughs) So I just put that out there thinking, you know, I think this is funny. Um, I think it's also making a point. Other people probably think it's funny and it just went crazy. It went crazy. The view, the video hit 10,000 views. And I think of the first 10 minutes. And then by the time I went to bed that night, it was over 300,000. I woke up in the morning, half a million hit a million the following day. It and just what are you thinking as going. you're watching this thing explode? Well, this was my first time going viral like this. Now I've had multiple posts go viral at this yeah. point, but at this time I just was, I, I didn't know what was going on because it was getting it went viral globally. It wasn't just oh, okay within the UK. A lot of people. It, it was international, yeah. and there were people all over USA, Canada, Brazil, Australia. Retweeting, people were commenting in different languages and sharing it and sharing <laughs> it. I was just like, this is this is insane, and it went on for days. 
it went on for days and days and days. And then actually about two weeks after I posted it, I woke up one morning and I had all these messages and DMs and people getting really hyped saying, man, like Joe Rogan just mentioned you on his podcast, like Joe Rogan, Joe. And I was like, what? And then I, I listened to his recent, ep- I listened to his episode with, um, it was one with Brian Callen and they did a whole like two, three minute segment talking about this tweet and talking about me. And that's when Joe started following me. He gave me a big shout out on his podcast. Um, and then I went on Twitter and he'd actually DM'd me just saying like, man, that was like one of the funniest things I, I, I've ever seen. And then we started chatting in the DMs. And a few months later down the line, I ended up on his podcast as yeah. well as the Ben Shapiro show, Dave Rubin's show, Tucker Carlson, Candace Owens, like all these people. Yeah. Um, I was suddenly on the radar, all these people. And what's so interesting about this is that it was an introduction to who I am. So as, as I say, this is three and a half years ago now, but- now in 2020, all these years later, the momentum has, has stayed and people have stuck around because it wasn't just like, oh, okay, this is a guy who once posted one funny right. thing right? that introduced a lot of people to my music and my podcast and my writing and my general thoughts and worldview and personality and all that. And so a lot of people came for the deadlift, but they stuck around because of everything else. Uh, it's what they always say. You can get, anyone can get hired, but if they stay employed, that's a, because they're, they're good at their job. So it, yeah. it's the same idea. Uh, you, you can get a follower, but they only stay if it's worth following. And you are, uh, you can find them at Zuby Music, Z-U-B-Y. When we come back, I want to find out if there was any negative repercussion from that tweet. I can't imagine it was a hundred percent positive reaction. We'll find out what the naysayers said to Zuby after this. Oh, boy. Since November of last year, the stock market, it's just plummeted. And the good news is there's something that's been on the rise, and that's gold. Gold has been on the rise. Gas prices are a joke. The stock market's all over the map. Inflation is at a near 40-year high. We've got a war going on. The markets don't like instability. But here's some more good news. You have options. Gold prices are rising as investors turn to gold for protection because gold provides a hedge against inflation and it protects against a weakening dollar. Legacy Precious Metals is the only company I trust when investing in gold and silver. You need an investment that's going to protect your wealth and your retirement. So what have you got to lose by calling Legacy Precious Metals and asking how they can help you? Call them today. You want to be proactive before it's uh, too late. I mean, I hate to remind you about 2008, but those who invested in gold saw huge gains and others lost their retirements. Legacy Precious Metals can advise you on all your options for investing in gold and silver. You can speak to an IRA expert at Legacy Precious Metals, 866-528-1903. 866-528-1903 or download their free investor's guide at LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... 
Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. All right, so the viral tweet with you breaking the 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 uh, deadlift record, the women's deadlift record in the UK. There had to be some people who hated it. Were there? They had nothing to say. It was a complete checkmate maneuver. They had nothing to say. So what would you what would be the a, criticism? Oh, you bigot! You nothing. How can they call me a bigot? I identified as a woman. <laughs> it was a checkmate. Oh, complete. It was a, it was a complete it was a complete checkmate. There's two options. You can deny that I'm a woman, in which case, by your own logic, you're a transphobe, right? Yeah. Or you can accept that I'm a woman, in which case, I'm the British women's deadlift record holder. So pick one. <laughs> that was it. That simple. Uh, you know that that's what made it so brilliant, and and you describe it as checkmate, and that's that's so that's spot on. It just it just was. So this, as you said, was an introduction of you and your worldview, which is, it's very interesting to me. So I've had a bunch of thoughts and my tendency, because when I was growing up, we debated a lot in my household, we'd have these Mm -hmm. dinnertime debates. So my tendency is always to think, how is that person going to counter me? How is that person going to counter me? So I'm just wondering if you get any of the typical BS about, well, maybe you're black but clearly you're so well-educated. You're not a real black man. Do you hear that? (laughs) Um, Not framed exactly that way. Not framed exactly that way. Um, But of course there are people who are obsessed with trying to put people into these categories with their assumptions and biases and trying to uh, control what people are allowed to think or what people are allowed to say based on their immutable characteristics. It doesn't work on me. It's never worked on me. Um, I reject this stuff outright. I've rejected it since my childhood days. So when people come at me with that kind of stuff, they always, always end up looking really, really stupid. It backfires (laughs) on them every single time to the point where I think most people have realized not to come at me like that because they know they're just going to get smoked and very politely. They'll get very politely smoked, but, um, yeah, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't work on me. I, I don't play those games. I'm very much in individual. Um, I can't kind of be like cowed or bullied to go along with something based on, oh, well, you're black, so you must think this or you're this, so you must. I just, I don't even entertain it. And I call it out for what it is. I call it out for what it is. I think a lot of people are afraid to. I'm not. If that's how someone approaches me rather than actually dealing with what I'm saying or the point that I'm trying to make, then um, I'll just tell them about themselves. And so- (laughs) I've, uh, you know, <laughs> Tell them about themselves. yeah, I mean, I'm I really, uh, it, it's something that's actually bothered me since my teenage years, right? Like that whole idea that if you are X, you must think this, or you most must vote that way, right? Or you must, you, right? I don't, I, I don't subscribe to any of that in any, how did you any, learn not direction. to though? Because in a world where t- kids are being taught mm-hmm. to learn that you clearly mm-hmm. avoided that that uh, I, I can call it brainwash. I can call it, yeah. I don't know what we call it, but how did you, 
how did you manage? Well, I think first of all, the the brainwashing elements were not as powerful when I was growing up. Okay. I don't think there was as much of an agenda in the 90s or in the early 2000s to promote this kind of mindset upon people. And then also, um, you know, I was raised very well. I have fantastic parents and I'm from a great family that raised me with good values and taught me to think for myself. And I also just have a personality type that has never cared so much to just because a lot of people are doing something doesn't mean that I'm going to do it. And I've always been this way. I mean, my parents didn't have to worry so much about me when I was a teenager. I mean, because I, I was in boarding school. I was thousands of miles away from them. Yeah. Um, and there were all kinds of people getting involved in all kinds of stuff. And I'm someone who's always influenced people around me more than I'm influenced by people around me. And it's been like that from a very young age. So just because, I mean, I, I, and there's some real simple examples. You know, there's a lot of things like I, I do or I don't do which are somewhat against the grain. I mean, like, I don't swear. I don't cuss. I don't use profanity, right? With all the hip hop music that I listen to and being a rapper myself and all the stuff I'm around, I don't cuss because I don't want to. Is that intentional? It's not even that intentional. It's just like, I just don't. I just don't. Like, it's not something that's hard for me to, it's not like I'm censoring myself. It's not like I want to and I'm preventing it. It's right. just like, no, I don't do that. And I don't have a reason to do it. I have reasons not to, but I don't have a good reason to. So I won't do it. I don't care if everyone else is doing it. I can right. be in a room with, you know, 99, 99, you know, a room of a hundred people and 99 are cussing up the room. I'm not going to join in just because I do. Right. Okay. Um, I've never smoked a cigarette. I don't drink alcohol. Like just because other people do it, you know, some people, again, it's not a big deal to me. It's it may, it's more of a big deal to other people, right? Like yeah. I might meet someone who's, who's not that familiar with me and People are drinking whatever. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm good. I don't drink alcohol. And for some people, it's like, oh my gosh, like that's like, why? Like, you know, they're, they're so intrigued by it. And, uh, you know, depending on how I'm feeling, I might, I might give a different answer, but I'm just like, why, why is that so, why is that so weird to you? You know like, what I, I don't think need it to ex- is? I, I think it's admirable. And I think I, I do. This is from a, I'm a wine drinker. I love yeah. wine and I, I have to have my evening glass of wine. It's just, it's just part of my routine. Mm-hmm. And there are days I wish that I didn't. But, and so <laughs> I wonder about myself, like, am I, does this mean I can't quit the wine? What is this? I, it's just a relaxation thing for me. And it's, mm. and it's probably, my husband does not drink and I admire him so much for it. And yeah. you think with that kind of influence, I would, I would just stop, but I love a glass of wine in the evening. So I yeah, think and, people really and, admire it, Zuby. I think it's something that people go, <laughs> whoa, how, how, not just why do you do it? How do you do it? Yeah. But you just you know, never like, tried it? No, I mean, I've, I've tried alcohol before. Okay. I mean, it's not like, it's not like a, a religious conviction or something. Right. I'm just not interested. It's just like, I just make up my own mind on things, right? So over the past two and a half years, right? Like, I mean, I'm not going to wear a mask just because other people are wearing them. Yeah. Right. If someone's trying to get me to wear a mask, I'm like, why? Yeah. Right. Well, because you, you're you're selfish if you don't. How? Explain. <laughs> well, you're going to make everybody else sick. I don't have COVID. <laughs> right. Like this but is the thing. Might, it's just how do you know so, you don't have? You might get it in yeah, a second. Yeah, but this I, is I, the thing, right? Like mo- most yeah. people, right? And I'm not trying to say this to you know, like be be mean to anyone, but but most people are very very um, susceptible to peer pressure and herd mentality. I, yeah. I think that's actually the human default, and for whatever reason. I, I agree. I've always not been that guy. I, I like it's really hard to get me to do something that I do not want to do. Everything I do stuff because I want to do it. If I don't want to do it and I don't have a good reason to do it, I'll just be like, no, like I'm not, I'm not doing that. And I think maybe going to boarding school as well 
gave me a particular disdain for rules that don't make sense. <laughs> because in my school, we had rules. <laughs> what was the my, worst one? Okay. In the first school, I, the first boarding school I went to, we had to have the first and the last five minutes of every meal in silence. Huh. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I, I can't know why? imagine why. Do you know why? Why? Because that's the rule. Oh, got it. Okay. Because we said so. Okay. That was it. So that it's was just it. a, so a, maybe a that, spot where they could influence, where they could influence authority. Exactly. So okay. I think that maybe that on top of my existing personality just has given me this, like, you know, I have no problem following rules that make sense. I, right. I'm, I'm general. I'm not someone who's like naturally rebellious. It's just like stuff just has to make sense to me. If it doesn't make sense, then I'm just like, well, just cause everyone else is doing it. That's not a good reason yeah. for me yeah. to do it, especially if there's negative downsides for myself individually, or I believe for people as a whole. So yeah, I think that kind of applies with everything I do. I think it's, it's how I've been able to take the, a very unique career path in what I've done. I mean, I left my, I worked in the corporate world for three years. And then when I was and what were you doing? 20, I was a management consultant for three years. Okay. okay. Um, and then when I was 24, 23, 24, um, I left and yeah, I became a full-time musician and started pursuing all that. And, you know, I t I've taken a completely different path to, you know, all my friends from school and university and everything. I mean, most people went into, you know, whether investment banking or engineering or this or that. And I was just like, man, I want to be a rapper. Um, <laughs> you know, and people are like, man, how can you be a rapper? You, you have an Oxford degree. Like, you know, why? I was like, so? Like, since why, why, why can't? Like, people have all these limitations they put on themselves all these limitations and they let society, they let everything influence and, and they end up with these very limited mindsets where they think they can only do X thing or they can only do one thing, right? Some people even now are like, man, like, what are you? Like, are you, are you a rapper or an author or a podcaster or a public speaker? I'm like, I'm all of them. Yeah. Why do I only have to do one thing? Why can't, why can't I, I have multiple talents. <laughs> I have multiple abilities. I have multiple interests. So I'm going to do all of them. If I want to yeah. get into something else, cool. I will add it to the, I'll add it to the list. I don't yeah. allow those type of limitations to be put on me. And honestly, I think that far too many people do to yeah, their do. own detriment. Mm -hmm. No question about it. And so when we finish up after this next quick break, I want to talk about something you called a, you know, almost a pandemic of lack of courage and sure, how we, how we overcome it if we can. And mm. I believe we can. Maybe it's the Pollyanna in me. I'm going to find out what you believe in just a second. Well, Uncle Tom 2, the second part of this documentary series is about to be released and you should pre-order it on SalemNow.com. And the reason you should is it's a great watch. Just fascinating, beautiful to look at, interesting voices to hear and enlightening. You'll learn something. I, I can pretty much guarantee that unless you're one of the people that was actually in the film and then you kind of know what's going on. But anyway, Uncle Tom 2, get it now on SalemNow.com. Go to SalemNow.com and get your copy. And if you get it early, you get a discount. Go. All right, Zuby, what did you call that pandemic of? Cowardice. Cowardice. That was the word. I couldn't come up with cowardice. It, it, I agree. It's and it and it scares me 
because what it is allowing is for people to do just what you've been talking about, get sort of stepped on and be kowtowed and follow rules that don't make sense. The NFL COVID season 2020 was hilarious if it weren't so damn frustrating. It was like everywhere you turned, you went, but that doesn't make sense because we just Mm -hmm. did that. And then we tested over there, but then we did this. But now I can't, I can interview someone for five minutes, but I have to be over there and they have to be, it was was insanity. It was insanity. And, and yet people just took it one because it was the path of least resistance. Right. Mm -hmm. And two, because they were scared. And, and so this, this pandemic of cowardice, how do we cure it? Yeah. Um, you know, and people really hate the word cowardice because no one wants to see themselves as a coward on any level. And people really get uptight when I use that term. Um, but perhaps that's because people know and sense that it's true, at least to some degree. Now, the, the, I think, first of all, it's important to understand the, the, the concern here. I mean, the concern is that if you study history, it's things haven't really, really gone bad in different times in different places because the majority of people were evil or malicious. It's happened because really of this sort of bystander effect, right? There's a something that's malignant in society and there's someone or there's a group of people who are really pushing something that's evil and destructive and wrong, which is going to lead to something catastrophic. And people are afraid, rightly or wrongly, to stand up to it and challenge it or even merely ask questions. And so the reason why I talk about this is because that's always going to be within humanity, right? Majority of people like to be in the majority. As you've alluded to, people generally like to take the path of least resistance in everything. People are generally, you know, they don't want that type of confrontation. And it's understandable. I mean, I'm not someone who wants to go around every single day and just be, you know, arguing with people and dealing with confrontation and having all this adversity and so on. But you also have to you, there are, there are, is a time and a place where you have to stand up for yourself, yeah. where you have to ask questions, where you have to challenge things, where you have to say no, where you can see a big group of people, you know, about to run off a cliff and you can go, wait, wait, stop, stop, <laughs> right? You don't just start running with them and going, hey, well, everyone else is running. Let me start running. And so I think it's important for people to kind of understand this social phenomenon. But in terms of how to tackle it, it's something that I think can, it's really an individual thing. And I've often told people before that you don't need to, you don't, you you know, number one, you don't need to, and you're probably not going to be able to go from uh, hiding all the time and never voicing your thoughts and never putting your foot down or anything to going the, the complete opposite end and becoming extremely outspoken and courageous in that regard. But I think, I think if each individual could just become 10%, 20% more bold, more courageous, more willing to speak up, more willing to put up their hand and ask a question when something is not making sense or when they have an objection and so on. I think if each individual could just get that 10% or 20%, then it would have a real, real impact on society. And I think that so many of the issues we're dealing with, particularly in the modern Western world, in countries like the UK, the USA, Canada, Australia, and so on, many of these ideas and actions are being propagated simply because they know that people are afraid to say no. People are afraid to say stop, right? Earlier, we were talking about males competing in female sports. Right. Everybody knows it's wrong. Yeah. Everybody knows it doesn't make sense. Everybody knows it's unfair, but they're afraid to say so, 
right? How many female athletes, right? The people who are actually bearing the brunt of this, how many female athletes have come out publicly and said, no, this is not right. This is not correct. This has been going on for over five years now. Yeah. Right. And people don't want to stand at what you're so scared of being labeled transphobic. Yes. That word, that one word, that one label. Transphobic. Yes. That's the word. That that one word is you're so afraid of that, that you're going to just allow this to continue. You're going to allow scholarships and money and opportunity and records to be completely taken from you. You're going to just allow men to run, <laughs> to run roughshod all over half the pot. I mean, at some point you have to have courage. They, and people need to recognize having courage doesn't mean that, that there's no, there's no fear and that there's no risk of Correct. consequence or potential. Right. That's not what it means. It's recognizing that and going, you know what? I'm going to do the right thing anyway. Yes. Right. A, ma- a soldier who's running off into battle, a fireman who's running into a burning building. But all the way, by the way, these things all require far more courage than just speaking, but they're not doing that thinking, oh, there's no chance I'm going to get right. shot or there's no chance I'm going to get burned or there's no, there's always a risk, right. but having courage is recognizing, okay, there's a risk, but I still have to, I have to do the right thing, right? Yeah. I have to speak up. This is wrong. And okay, there's a risk for me speaking up potentially, um, but if I don't, you know that that's worse. And there aren't enough people. I don't know if it's just that people have become so fat and lazy and comfortable um, that they're not willing to take any sort of risk or potential risk or anything. That they're they're just allowing this to keep going and keep going and keep going and. For anyone who's there wondering, man, like what's going on in the world? How did the world get so crazy? What It got there because of exactly what I'm saying. It didn't get there because most people are crazy or because most people are radical and are pushing these agendas or really believing these ideas. It's just happening because people are afraid to stand up for themselves, yeah. to stand up for each other, and to say no to things which are obviously absurd or destructive. And we saw it so much during COVID. Absolutely. I would just ask questions. I would ask questions mm-hmm. about what Dr. Fauci was saying. I would ask questions about these different cures that were deemed, oh, that's that's nothing. That's nothing to see here. Well, okay, but can you tell me why? Mm-hmm. Oh, you're an idiot. You're, you're MAGA. You're, the, you know, it's just like, wait a minute, I'm just asking a question. Isn't, Are isn't we not allowed to ask the questions? Me- and isn't, isn't that what the scientific method is supposed to be based on? Thank you. I mean, if you yeah. can't ask a question, how can you be calling it science? Precise. It's not science. It's just dogma. Exactly. Even with even with dogma, you can normally ask questions. Yeah. Right. If you can't yeah. ask a question or just say, "Wait, hang on, this thing here is a blatant contradiction," or mm-hmm. "What about this?" or "What about that?" There have been so many questions. I mean, it, it amazes me that two and a half years since this whole thing started, there's all these unanswered. There's all these unanswered questions, which no one in the the mainstream, none of the so-called experts or whatever, right. are willing to just answer. And say, okay, wait, hang on, what really is going on here? And as a result, this is, I mean, you want to know what makes people conspiracy theorists? This is what makes people conspiracy theorists. Exactly. Right? If if you're unwilling, (laughs) people are going to start coming up with their own hypotheses and their own ideas if the people who they're supposed to be trusting in the mainstream are completely unwilling to have any conversation or give any explanation or to have any debate or have any arc- was was Fauci subject to you know a single debate is he the only is he the only doctor or scientist in in the country of the United States of America that, I don't think that's, so that's what they seemed everyone seemed to believe it's like the name Fauci became this 
almost symbol, this emblem mm-hmm. of truth in medicine. And it was like, well, hold on a minute. There's another doctor at Stanford who said the opposite. Why mm-hmm. is he in it? Well, because he's not Dr. Fauci. Well, yes. what the hell? I mean, where well, are we? When was the last time Fauci saw a patient? Uh, very good question. How many COVID patients did he treat? Mm-hmm. Eh, I think the answer is probably multiple decades and zero. Mm-hmm. Right? So th- this this is the thing. We, we have this um, outsourcing of critical thinking. Yeah. Just outsourcing of thinking in general to so-called experts yes. and, and so-called scientists. And mm-hmm. look, there are there are issues where on every single thing, I mean, look, if I'm going to position myself as an expert, I have to be willing to answer questions, <laughs> right? I wrote a book on fitness. I, I've written two books on fitness, right? Building, building your muscle, getting stronger, losing weight. If I'm positioning myself as some type of fitness or nu- nutrition authority or expert, and someone asks me a question about losing body weight, or they ask me a question about carbs, or they ask me a question about bench press or squats, and my response is, hey, you're not, you're, you're not allowed to ask me that <laughs> question, right? Or to get angry at them. Like, right. I, I, I should lose my expert status. It's like, well, this guy won't even answer. He won't even answer basic questions. These aren't gotcha questions. Right. These aren't right. things like, like that's designed to trip me up or disingenuous. It's just like, hey, man, I don't understand this thing. So whether it's about the masks, it's about the lockdowns, it's about social distancing, it's about the injections, it's about alternative treatments or whatever. These are completely valid questions and considerations and concerns that people have, which they just didn't answer and they still refuse to answer. Uh, And that's... Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, so yes. So people start thinking conspiratorial thoughts and you're right. It's because we're not getting taken seriously. Our questions aren't getting taken seriously by the so-called experts. I just met with a group of people who are experiencing COVID vaccine injuries and we're talking about some. You're not staggering. allowed to talk about that. Yeah. There's a lot of it. And it's interesting how Dr. Fauci is stepping down now in December and how so many people are leaving the NIH and the FDA and the CDC and how it's all being sort of revamped all of a sudden. And you start to wonder, well, is anyone curious, just curious enough to say, maybe these vaccines did cause the injuries or maybe they didn't. Let's prove it one way or the other. But but these these victims are not being heard. And so that's another thing we're, we're talking about a lot here on yeah. this show. I could talk to you all day and that's my, my, I, I, I got to stop because otherwise (laughs) I'll keep you here for hours, Zuby. And I hope sometime we can have you back because you've got so much wisdom to offer and so much interesting thought provoking commentary. And so I know you're doing a lot of things. People can find you on Twitter at Zuby music. Um, And it is interesting because I was thinking, you know, how do I refer to him? Is he a musician? Is he a but you are all of those. You're Zuby, and that's yep. that's what I appreciate about you. And like I said, I could go on forever, and I I gotta just focus now and wrap this thing up because he's got places to be and things to do too. Zuby, thank you. You're I'm, welcome, Michelle. We need more of you in the world, and and hopefully hey, only you'll, you'll inspire that 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 courage that even that ten percent uh, from each individual. I hope you inspire it, and I, I'm going to help you try. Thank you so much for being with us. I appreciate it, Michelle. Thank you. This has been Sideline Sanity. I'm Michelle Tafoya. Be brave, do good, and check out at Zuby Music on Twitter.
Well, we always appreciate it when Charles Thorngren can join the join the podcast and talk a little money and gold in particular with us. Gold and silver. And Charles, it's these are mad times. I mean, it's just really wacky. And anyone who's watching the stock market is probably asking themselves, what do I do? I don't I don't know, you know, I'm not I don't know how to ride this roller coaster with everyone. And so obviously you recommend investing in precious metals. What's the first step that someone should take in learning about what precious metals can do for them? You know, the, the first step, um, give us a call, right? We're, we're going to show you what options there are available. Um, that's what Legacy is about, is showing you options and educating everyone. The important thing to know is that we don't invest in gold and silver because it's pretty or because it's, it's unique. Those things are true, but we do it because it has the history of being the true diversity for someone's portfolio. It's the insurance policy against everyone's retirement and their uh, their savings. So, so this is why we look at, at gold and silver specifically. It's the currency that was always meant to be, right? It's not a fiat currency. There's no um, inflationary effect on it. Gold and silver are going to be worth what they're worth. The thing that changes with everything is the amount of dollars it takes to buy that gold and silver and the amount of dollars you get for owning that gold and silver. That's the big key. And this is what people don't understand about it typically is that it is not the stock market and it is not the dollar. It's an investment that is counter to both of those. So it gives you true diversity and balance is what everyone's looking for right now. They just don't know it as inflation gets higher this is where gold and silver come in. If someone is saying, okay, I, I want to do this, but I want to choose one or the other. When right. they call you and ask you these questions, when would you recommend gold and when would you recommend silver? You know, that's a great question. What a lot of people wind up doing is actually doing a little of both because that's possible, right? But it's going to depend on your specific investment parameters. And that's one of the things we're going to do that we're we're different from your typical stockbroker because we're not going to say this is what all my customers are doing because that's not what's important. What's important is what matters to you and your portfolio. When is your retirement coming up? What are you looking to accomplish? Right. What are your risks? What are what are your what are your safety features that you need? So there's a lot that goes into it. And what we do here is, is talk with you. Right. Our, our big thing is to educate you so that you understand why you're doing it as well as in what form and fashion, because that's important. It is important. And I think, too, that people, people probably think uh, I'm a small investor. This is not for <laughs> me. I can't I can't afford to do this. I can't afford to do this at a level that will benefit me to them. You would say what? Um, I don't think you can afford not to. If you have money saved and you're not flush with cash, it's more important than ever for you to make sure that you put yourself in a protective situation, right? You have less to lose, so you should not lose it. It's really, you know, it's it's not about how much money you have or don't have. It's about how much protection you need. And if you don't have a, a very large portfolio, then you probably need it more than the guy who does because you can't afford that loss. And look at what the market's done over the course of the year. We are talking about a situation where the loss is extravagant and it's not done yet. This is why we look at 
uh, precious metals to counter that. And lastly, Charles, for those who fear that a recession may already be here or is coming, what do you tell them about how in a recession this investment helps out? Great question. A couple answers there. We are in a recession. Um, but the reality is it's not going to get bad for a few more months. Then it's really going to be bad. What we see happen next year is going to be devastating. Just think 2007, 2008, right? The troubles with 2008 happened in 2007. It just took time for it to hit the market in a real sense. And this is what we see. You know, we have inflationary numbers that rival the 80s, Um that's something that's going to be dramatic. So when we look at this, we say, why do we want to do it? And that's exactly why it helps because it's not the dollar and it's not the stock market, right? This is the safe haven investment. And if you look at long-term wisdom, that's what metals do. They give you a place to store your wealth without the effects of inflation, right? Inflation is good for your metals. The stock market correcting is good for your metals. Uh, A weak economy is better for your metals. So that's what it's meant to do. And that's why it has its place in the economy. We're talking about a worst case scenario right now, but even under the best of terms, the government tells you two to 3% inflation is a good thing. And at two or 3%, it doesn't sound bad, right? But over the course of your retirement and your lifetime investing, if you go 40 years, you've lost over 120% of value of your dollar by not having metals. So even in the best of times, there should be some in your portfolio. And during the worst, you really want to make sure you get a hold of somebody who can explain why and show you what options you have. Yeah, that's why we love to recommend Legacy Precious Metals on our show, Sideline Sanity. So the website is LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. You can also go to the website and find the phone number to call, learn a whole lot more. It's just worth asking some questions, right? A quick phone call and getting more information about everyone's specific situation. Absolutely. We're a no-pressure organization. Everyone who contacts us, they reach out to us. We share information. If it's right for you, great. If it's not, that's great too. Learning something never hurt anybody. No, that is true. And we're glad we had you on to learn something from you today, Charles Thorngren. Again, it's LegacyPMInvestments.com. Please go check them out. Just ask some questions. Learn a little something. Thank you so much, Charles. My pleasure. Thank you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 